0: Oh, Muffy Ritz is joining us from a huge snowstorm in Sun Valley, Idaho, Ketchum, Idaho, somewhere in Idaho. You're listening to Over the Top Cycling. I'm George Thomas in Boulder, Colorado. Muffy, buried?
1: Uh, yeah, basically, snowbound um, is the best word for it.
0: <laughs> well, that is the name of our new channel, Snowbound. <laughs> oh,
1: there you go. Yes, I know. And... It is dumping so hard in Sun Valley right now, and everybody's, uh, well, I don't think they're freaking out. I think they're enjoying every minute of this dump. It's probably snowed a couple of feet in the last couple of days, so it's it's been pretty cool.
0: And you were saying you were digging out of your driveway, and the walls of snow on each side of the driveway are around 8 feet tall?
1: Yeah, and my snowblower broke, so I've been shoveling. My my roommate, Roger Makus, and I have been shoveling, and we just can't throw it high. We can't throw it up there anymore. So I had to call somebody to come plow me out just now. So um, I've given in.
0: <laughs> well, I'm thinking of what you were saying about your first cross-country race this year or this season where you were going along the track and it was filling up by your second lap.
1: Yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, it's... And the recurrent theme here in Sun Valley is just nothing but snow, 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 which I'm not complaining about it. It's actually really fun. And I might even go alpine skiing tomorrow, and it's probably going to be about two feet of new powder.
0: Oh, right on. I'm I'm going to catch a flight out there and join you.
1: (laughs) Yeah, come on, George. (laughs) Come on out.
0: So it sounds like perfect conditions for the latest race you did, which was a J. Petervery fat bike race in the snow.
1: Yeah, um, let me just tell you, I was questioning my sanity um, during the race because you could—it it was basically like riding your bike through sand for seven and a half hours, and every now and then, or probably about every ten. Now, nah, maybe every 20 minutes, I would tip over to the right side always and go into deep powder. And it's it was like a struggle to get out. And I did that probably 25 times. So it was a very, very interesting race.
0: How mechanically did your bike even hold together?
1: You know, these fat bikes are unbelievable. I had one called a Specialized Fat Boy, which I rented. And I've only ridden it maybe an hour before this race, and that was two months ago. (laughs) So uh, I have not been on a bike in two months. So this bike, I don't know, it just, it handled great. And every time I tipped over the thing, I'd just get right back on it and pedal away. And the only problem was my glasses were filled with snow. My pogies, those little things you put your hands in to keep them warm, they were filled with snow. Uh, my backpack was filled with snow, my boots were filled with snow, I was filled with snow every time I I dumped over.
0: <laughs> now, those, the pogies or whatever you call it, those are the things that go on your handlebars and you put your hands in or they look like huge mittens that are attached to your handlebars?
1: Exactly. And, you know, it's pretty funny. I had kind of these really lightweight ones, and they were called bar mitts, but... Lot, most everybody else, they do this a lot. So they had these really heavy duty ones that are down in there or whatever. They're big and fat and really nice and warm. And so they what people end up doing is put their their goos and their gels and their bars in the pogies and that keeps them warm and supple. Well, I tried the same thing. but Mine just kept getting filled up with snow and all the goos and the bars and the gels were falling out into the powder and yeah, I had a I had a heck of a time.
0: <laughs> this sounds really fun.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's really, I kept thinking the whole time, okay, this is kind of like, it was seven and a half hours it took me. It's kind of like skiing about over 100 kilometers on your first day of skiing for the season in deep snow. So how does that sound? Miserable. Yeah, but but I did get a chuckle because every time I passed another huge six mark on the side of the trail or somebody else had jumped over like I had, I had to laugh because I knew exactly what they did because I had just been doing it myself. And so I actually had some humor in this whole thing. And um, I thought, you know, I don't think I'll ever do this again. But then after, of course, after it was over, I thought, wow, if the track was actually hard, it would have been really fun to do. Um, just, just pick a day when the track is solid and the snowmobiles don't chew it all up.
0: So now, I'm trying to think, a Jay Peterberry event, he generally doesn't give out a route map or anything. Don't you just have uh, you need to get to this point, to this point and find it yourself?
1: Well, he had he had signs out there. He did. So okay. he marked the turns. Yeah.
0: How did yeah. they and not get buried? It wasn't really buried. a
1: hard one. How was?
0: How did the signs not get buried?
1: Well, it didn't snow that much during the race, probably only 3 or 4 inches. So, uh it it wasn't a matter of it snowing really hard. It was a matter of just super soft um track cuz the uh the snowmobiles went by and chewed it all up. And you literally had to follow a track in front of you, which was about, what, five inches wide. And if you took your eyes off that track for one second, you were floundering in the deep snow. And so it was a seven and a half hours of concentration for me. And, and that was hard. I mean, I've never had to concentrate quite that long on staying in a small little track.
0: What kind of tires did you use?
1: Well, you know, I don't even know what they were called, but they were 4.6 inches wide. And I wouldn't have minded like a 10 inch wide tire. That would have been better. (laughs) But um, at the last, in the last like seven miles, J.P. DeVere came screaming by me on his snowmobile and he stopped and he said, Yeah, way to go, Muffy, but you need to take some more air out of your tires. So he, he deflated my tires even more. I was down to about one pound of air in my tires Wow! one pound they were almost flat and that was the only way you could get any traction at all to move forward pretty incredible
0: now that last seven <laughs> miles you're talking about another hour plus of riding correct two hours it two took hours two
1: hours two hours to go the last seven miles i i really had a problem the last seven miles i just could barely move And I got really tired. And at one point, I was going about 2.7 miles an hour. And I decided I could almost walk faster and definitely could have skied faster than I rode that course. Um, I think my...
0: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does.
1: They charge you a lot. it was about 35 miles. It took me seven and a half hours. So I was going under five miles an hour.
0: <laughs> Did you pass anyone?
1: Um, um, <laughs> I passed one person and about four people passed me. So I was, um, there was probably about eight people behind me out of the 55. No, more than that. Because there was probably 10 people that DNF'd, about eight people that were slower than I was. And so I was actually about halfway or a little less than halfway through the field. So, um, I was sort of wondering what the, what I was doing out there, but, um, I don't know. It was a good experience and I will never think that I can't do something, um, that hard again. I can, you know, that's, you, you get confidence. It's just like race across America. You, you, Gain confidence to do almost anything physically that's really endurance endurance toughness, you know, endurance toughness, I guess you could say.
0: Now, how did it start? Was it a mass start or did you go off on a time trial start?
1: No, it's a mass start and um, it was about nine o'clock in the morning and actually it was pretty good weather and the track was fairly hard for the first seven to nine miles up to the aid station. And then you made a a, a left hand turn and you turned into uh, about five inches of powder and it was soft. So then from then on, you had to follow a single track that somebody else had made in front of you. And um, if, like I said, if you went off that track, even for an inch, you were in wallowing in the powder and you'd tip over or you just, you know just wiggle around until you finally had to get off and get back in that little track and the concentration was was just um i've never had to concentrate quite that long that hard before
0: and can we expect you at i did a bike 2016 no
1: no no never no <laughs> i'd say 35 miles is about going to be my my max i don't do one a that bike but J. Peter Berry is known for his tough events, and he's putting on a 120-mile event and a 200-mile event in January. And guess who will not be on the starting line? That would be me. I'm not going to do it, and neither is Roger Mankus.
0: 200 miles in the snow. Fat bike.
1: Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. that sound like fun? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Wow. So, um, Roger was thinking of doing the 120-mile um, before this race, and I asked him after we finished, I said, are you still going to do that 120-mile? And he said,
0: no, <laughs>
1: no way. <laughs> and that's Roger. You know, Roger's crazy. So, pretty funny.
0: Now, I am curious about your food and the aid stations. So, the uh, I can't even remember what you called them, the little mittens that attached to the handlebars where you had your food inside. Oh, yeah. And snow's getting in there. Was that even edible? It must have been so hard because it was so cold.
1: Well, it was actually a fairly warm day. It was like 20, 22 when we started and probably 28 when we finished. So it wasn't that cold. But, um, you know, I had to stop. If I wanted to eat anything, I just had to fully stop and grab it and pull it find it in my pogey that was full of snow and find some little critter worth of food and shove it in like a tram bar or something like that and then to drink I mean you you could not drink or eat on the bike because then you'd fall off the little track you know you'd fall out of that little track that you're following so I had to stop every time and I probably only ate a grand total of one and a half bars and a half a Nalgene bottle of water or of um, of a electrolyte drink during the entire race. And then at the aid station, I had a half a cup of noodles, you know, those hot noodles, yeah. and a half of a peanut butter and jelly and a couple of M&Ms. So uh, not a lot of calories out there.
0: Now, <laughs> how did you keep your liquid from freezing because well 22 to 28 actually sounds pretty warm for the effort you're putting out you must have been boiling um your yeah. water bottles could still freeze pretty easily
1: yeah but it somehow it didn't and i was an idiot too i had one of those little pockets on the front of my bars and i kept the water bottle upside down so you could you know it wouldn't freeze the top of a little ah. top wouldn't freeze and, of course, I didn't close it all the way, so the whole thing drained out. So I had no water for a while. But I did have a Nalgene bottle in my backpack, and I drank part of that. But I'd have to get off, take off the backpack, drink the Nalgene, put it back in, grab something to eat. <laughs> you know, it was um, – I can't really feel like I was racing. I was. It was complete survival out there. And I would say Roger could probably – even expound on that too.
0: (laughs) Now, you were saying your boots were filling with snow. Uh, Obviously, well, not obviously, were these uh, clip-in pedal boots?
1: Yeah, these were clip-in pedals and I didn't get them really full of snow because the top, the ankle was fairly um, tight. They were called 45 degree north, which is a very, really good boot for this kind of conditions. But my clips weren't working anymore, so I was just... my feet were on top of the pedals. And then I started getting leg cramps. And um, I was screaming out there every time I'd do a revolution, I'd get a cramp. So I'd sort of scream and then scream and then scream. And there was probably about an hour or two hours when I was thinking, what am I going to tell George in the interview? What am I going to say about this event? Because this is epic.
0: Well, you're kind of known for screaming and race across America, and you know you stood up all the way across Oklahoma. So, you know, yeah. Well, actually, that
1: was Colorado and Oklahoma. Oh, okay, (laughs) and part of Utah. So, (laughs) six hundred miles. (laughs) I stood up. Yeah. So, you know, some of the stuff's just right in line there. But I'm I'm 58 years old now, and Maybe I'm not really learning my lesson too well here.
0: Well, Muffy, it is always a pleasure to chat with you. Uh, when's your next event? It's coming up after New Year's, correct?
1: Um, yeah, I'm doing a little race here. It's a Nordic race. Um, it's probably going to be snowing. Uh, we probably won't be able to see the tracks. It's a it's about a twenty-five kilometer, twenty-one kilometer classic race in Sun Valley, and um, if everything goes well, it'll be great. And if it's snowing, I'm going to be the best prepared of anybody out there.
0: True. All right. Well, expect yeah. me at the airport first thing in the morning. Okay. With my Alpine skis.
1: Yeah. Come on out. It, it's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, I, I'll take a picture of, um, and send it to you.
0: Oh, I'd love so to see Come it. on
1: out and have some pow pow.
0: All righty. Yeah. Over the top cycling, Muffy Ritz in Ketchum, Idaho. George Thomas, Boulder, Colorado. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands.